What's up? What's up? What's up? Happy Wednesday. What's up? I'm just happy to be here right now. I'm just excited. I've um, I've spent honestly like a few months now writing this this little message right here. I think I've been writing it since November, October. So I'm excited. I have a lot of stuff in here, and I can feel God just speaking through me as I'm typing this away, writing this away. So I got a lot of stuff to talk to, and I'm hoping it's a lot of good stuff. So I got a lot to get through, so I'm going to get right into it. So the main piece of scripture I want to center everything I'm talking about right now is in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. And so what Paul is talking about right here, he says that, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, and another has that. Now, on the topic of gifts, I know we got Valentine's Day coming up, but my favorite holiday growing up was always Christmas. I remember my parents would go all out every year. I'm talking gingerbread houses, like two, three trees, stockings for everybody, Christmas movies all the time. My dad would even get up as Santa, dress up as Santa, get up on top of the roof until he fell off and landed on his back. I was only four. That was not a good thing to see. Um, But anyways, like that was my favorite holiday, and mostly, honestly, just because of the gifts. I remember the best feeling as a kid was seeing a box, shaking it, and hearing Legos. That was like dopamine going off like that. And I just loved the gifts. I don't know what it was. And I remember every single year, the one gift I got every year, no matter if I asked for it or not, was socks. I reach into my reach into my sock and out I would grab a pair of gray socks or something. And it's not like I was like, Mom, this year, can I get the gray socks or maybe the purple ones? I just get socks every year. But and on the other hand, one thing I always wanted, back when, back when Vine was popping, we all actually liked Logan Paul. You remember those hoverboard things people would ride around? I wanted one so bad, but my mom said no because, one, they're expensive, and, two, they were blowing up in everybody's face, and she didn't want third-degree burns on me from head to toe. So, understandable. But I ended up getting one one year after they started being cheaper, right? So I wake up, and I see it under the tree, and I open it up, and I start riding it around. My brother's watching me. And I'm having the time of my life. But then it starts beeping. And I look down, and the green battery turns red, and then it turns off. And the next thing I know, I crack my head on the pool table. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm like this. <laughs> that was not a fun morning. But fla- fast forward now. So that was like, I think I was 12, maybe. Fast forward now. So I'm a college student. You know, I'm busy. I got clubs. I got school. And I, to be honest, I haven't done laundry in like a week and a half, two weeks. I got maybe like two shirts left, like one pair of jeans. But you know... The one thing I haven't run out of, socks. Mama Dirksen knew what she was doing, let me tell you. So why did I tell you that? That seems like it has nothing to do with that passage, right? Well, if we look at this in a really philosophical point of view, it seems like the stuff that we really want ends up being the thing that's going to hurt us in the end or that we don't really need. But it's the things that we really need that don't seem desirable and we don't really want. And this relates to this passage. Let me go back and translate it. Because Paul's saying here is that, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. So what he's saying is, Paul was single his entire life. He played the bachelor all throughout his life. So he says, I wish that all of you were single as a Pringle like me. But, you know, each of you is good. Some of you guys are taken. Some of you guys are all by yourself. Like, either way, that's good for you. It doesn't matter. And the reason that relates is because sometimes some of us are single and we don't see it as a gift. We see only relationships, oh, that's such a good thing, but we don't reach into our stocking and be like, oh, singleness, thanks, God. No, you would get the gift receipt for that right away. But some of us are in a position where we really desire a relationship, but that might be what will hurt us more in the end. And we need to be single for a little bit. We need to 
learn more about ourselves and date ourselves, but that's the furthest from the thing that we want. So I'm excited to be talking about this tonight because one, we got Valentine's Day coming up, and two, on February 15th, we got National Discount Chocolate Day. So I'm excited for this. It's perfect timing, especially not even just perfect timing of the year. It's perfect timing in our lives. We're getting to 18, 19, 20, and at this point of our lives, some of us feel really pressured to be in a relationship. We, our, our society frowns on the single life a ton. I mean, at this point, you can't even sit down for a nice Thanksgiving meal without your aunt asking you, like, so, Johnny, you, uh, you got a girlfriend yet? No? You don't fancy any ladies? You like, you like girls, right? No? Just checking. And in some cultures, some families, moms are going to push their kids, like, you need to hurry up and get married. I need grandchildren before I die. We get so pressured into this. And once you get to age like 25, 30, 35, 40, if you don't have anybody, you get looked at funny. People look at you like, what's, what's wrong with him? How come he doesn't have anybody? So there's so many things that people can do, that people can say that makes somebody think that I, by myself as a singular person, am not enough. So then people go out and seek somebody else to make them feel enough. But the only thing is that there's never one person that can solve that void and solve that problem for you. And who knows, you might think you found them. You like walked in the room, you walked in the den, you looked over, you lo you, as soon as you locked your eyes on them, butterflies, and you thought you found your Prince Charming, and they solved all your problems. But then the problems start coming up. <laughs> then the problems start coming up. You get the, the fighting, the arguments, the breaks, the breakups. And while some of these are inevitable, a lot of these relationship problems can be solved in singleness. In reality, they're singleness problems that you're supposed to solve by yourself. And we rush into it instead of dealing with those problems first. And this is all because of this pressure I'm talking about. We all get pressured into getting a girlfriend and getting a boyfriend because we're told marriage is important and marriage is a cornerstone of our relationship with God. But, but as, I'm, as I'm looking and I'm doing research for this, I find that God talks about the individual person way more than he talks about the relationship or the marriage or the couple. And let me prove it to you. I'm going to go all the way back. The first page of your Bible, Genesis, in the beginning, God's creating the world as we know it. He creates the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and says it is good. And he creates the land and the seas and says it is good. And then he creates the plants and the animals and says it is good. <laughs> and then a few days later, day six rolls around, and he creates a man named Adam. And this is the first time where God looks at something he made and he says, hold on, hold on. I don't like this. This is not good. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So this is where this, this notion that we have to have somebody else to be good comes from. This is why people get pressured into it. But I feel like this is taken a little bit out of context. Because, yeah, while all, while all this is good, and we see it's good for man to be in relation, it's not good for him to be alone because, honestly, loneliness is one of the root causes for sin. When you're alone, you're most vulnerable to the enemy. And when you're alone, you follow your worldly desires and your judgment goes out the window. But there's a difference between alone and single. If you have a notebook, write that down. Remember that because I'm going to come back to that in a bit. But let's go back closely. If we look at this relationship, the marriage, one flesh, whatever you want to call it, it's not the first thing God created. So how can it be the cornerstone when it wasn't even his priority? See, we look, God creates the sun, the moon, the stars, 
plants, animals, and then on day six, he brings the man his wife. God created this relationship, and he played matchmaker on day six, not day one. And the problem is that some of us, you know, most of us for that matter, we're only on day one or day two or maybe day three of our life, of our walk with Christ, of our journey, and we're still focused on finding the one when it's not day six yet. And it's because we're not ready. The reason God might have you single, the reason you don't have a valentine is because you're not ready and God has not given it to you yet because you're not on day six yet. God might be holding back for you because there's probably something way better in the future for you. In fact, I can guarantee you there's something better in the future for you and you can't even wrap your brain around how good it's going to be and you're not ready for it yet and you're not equipped to handle it yet so God's holding it back for you. Because statistically speaking, 90% of Americans are likely to get married. And I'd guess the statistic is higher in here because we've got some pretty good looking people in here, right? <laughs> so more likely than not that <laughs> more likely than not that's gonna come to you. Nine out of ten. I like those odds. So studies show that's gonna happen, but that also comes with a sad reality that fifty percent of marriages end up in divorce. And that over ninety percent of relationships end in breakup. And while some of those are completely out of our control, there's we can't focus on what the other person can do, but we can focus on how we perform in that. And we can focus on if it's our fault or not. So let me put it in like a perspective. I used to box, right? So I boxed for a couple years. And if I had a fight scheduled up, usually I'd be way overweight. I'd have to fight at like 140 pounds. I'd usually weigh like 160, right? So if I would sign the contract for that fight, I'd have that fight coming to me regardless. If I got down to weight or not. If I just sat around on the couch eating Oreos, and playing 2K all day, that fight, that competition is still going to come my way. The opportunity is still going to come my way. But on the other hand, if I trained and I got ready, that fight still come my way. But the only difference is this time I'm going to be ready for it. So if 90% of Americans are end up married, statistically that person, that person who could be your spouse is going to come your way. And whether or not you're ready for them, that's up to you because you may not even be ready for them. You see, the picture I'm trying to paint here is that God wants you to be prepared, and God wants you to be ready, because God honestly hates divorce. God hates heartbreak, because he says it's the ripping apart of two souls, and that is worse than death. So God wants you to be ready. He wants you to go through this season of growth, and that's what singleness is, because it is your opportunity for growth. And when you're single, that's when the most growth happens. It's only you and God. That's the only relationship you have to focus on, which means you're able to give it the attention needed. And you need to be doing this because when it comes time for the relationship, it comes time for that opportunity, you'll be ready. And it'll be so, so much greater. So, JJ, what am I even supposed to do? How do I prepare in my singleness for relationship? Well, Jesus answered this in Matthew 22. The Sadducees are asking him, they say, Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of them all? And so Jesus shoots back right away. He says in verse 37, 38, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is your first and your greatest commandment. So the first thing you need to be doing, obviously, is loving God. Now remember earlier, I said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not. But singleness doesn't mean alone. They're not synonymous. So if you I look in the dictionary right now, I pulled up the definition. So single, the definition is only one, not one of many. 
Now alone, on the other hand, the, de- the definition for alone means having no one else present. You see the difference there. Having no one else present. It is not good for man to have no one else present. But if we have a relationship with God, we foster a relationship with God, we are always in his presence. So that's why we need to do that so we are never alone. And the thing that we do wrong is we confuse these two. We think that singleness is just as bad as being alone. So then we get scared. We get anxious. We get so anxious waiting for the one, waiting for our Prince Charming to walk in the door. We get so anxious waiting for that relationship that we forget about the relationship we're already in. And it's sad because I know so many people, I have so many friends that have been scared of being single and they're sick of the single life. So then they end up just getting in a relationship with the wrong person at the wrong time. Or maybe it's even the right person but the wrong time. And now they're not single, but they feel more alone than ever. That's why we need to foster this relationship so we never can be alone. Because if you have God in your corner, you always have somebody with you. And so many of us, this is hard for us to do. Because it's easy for us to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I got a relationship with Christ. I, you know, I go to church every once in a while. Every once in a while. I, I, I pray. But let me paint this picture for you. So I'm dating this girl, and you know, we talk uh, you know, twice a week, sometimes on Sundays for a couple hours, sometimes on Wednesdays for a couple hours. But you know, man, homework was tough this last week, so I only got to see her once. And I'm so tired. Midterms are crazy, and so I don't think I'm going to get to see her at all this week. How do you think that's going to go? How do you think that relationship's going to progress? Because it's not. So if, if we claim to be Christian to have a relationship with Christ, then how can we only go on dates with him on Sunday morning? And the rest of the week we're ghosting him. We're not reading his word, not living by his word, not talking to him. And when's the last time we opened our Bible? And when's the last time we read his word? Because you can't have a relationship without communication, right? So that's the way to hear God talk to you. So how come, how come you have him on mute? How come you're not hearing him talk? And I'm not saying this to demean people or to talk down to anybody and say, you're bad. No, because I've been there too. I've been at that spot where like, I feel like a lukewarm Christian. Like I, I believe, but I'm not like pursuing that relationship. That's not what this is. This is like a challenge. Most of my texts that I'm using here is all about Paul because Paul had that relationship with Christ. We need to strive to be like Paul. Paul says that I reach out and I strive to know Christ. I strive for a relationship with Christ. So we need to be like that because this year, 2020, there's still 11 months left. You have the opportunity to make this year the year that Jesus is just more than a good look for your Instagram bio or a, a good-looking caption because that's not a relationship. That's a, that's a sponsorship. That's it. And that's not what he wants. he wants. He wants a real relationship with you. So many people want that type of relationship where it's like, yeah, dude, I would, I would die for my girlfriend. I would lay my life down for her on the spot. But what's funny is that he already did. We to, relationships are all about sacrifice. I can't think of any sacrifice greater than sending your son down to die for so many people who don't even know you exist, who don't even believe in you, who don't even love you. That's sacrifice. And guess what? One, he'll always love you. Unconditionally, I might add. Two, he for, he's forgiving. He'll forgive you. And three, he's never going to leave you. 
And he's like, he's talking about sacrifice, real sacrifice here. I'm not talking, oh, I picked up the bill when we went to Red Lobster, or I drove a couple hours here. I'm talking sending your son to die for somebody. That's sacrifice. That's the type of relationship I'd want. I'd want to be in a relationship with somebody like that. Because sometimes that's all you need, even. 90% of Americans are going to get married, but what about that 10%? Nowhere in the Bible are we promised marriage or promised our, our princess or our knight in shining armor. But singleness is a gift just as relationship is a gift. But no, JJ, I can't do that. I'm the relationship type. I need to be with somebody at all times. But Jesus did it. I think it's funny, as Christians, we, we want to live like Jesus and we strive to be like him, but not always when it's inconvenient for us and not always when we involve something we don't want to do. And Paul did it too. In fact, Paul warns us, he doesn't command, but he warns us that you could even be better off single. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 8 and 9, he says, It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am, unless they are burning with passion and they can't control themselves. And then in verse 32 and 33, he says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world and how he can please his wife. And what Paul is trying to say here is that single people have a little bit of an advantage over taking people, over married people, because they can focus fully on God's ministry and they can devote themselves. And Paul and Jesus were able to achieve everything that they did just because of singleness. If they were tied down and Paul's like, oh, I'm going to Corinth, and then his wife's like, no, no, you're not. You have to take the kids to soccer practice. That wouldn't work out. The singleness is what helped them to achieve that. And while it's not good for man to be alone, he definitely wasn't alone. He was single but not alone. And we need to strive to be like Paul. Not I'm not saying you have to stay single, but we have to strive to be like him. Because before you can truly have a godly relationship, before you can find your Proverbs 31 woman and the one you're supposed to be with and have a godly relationship, you first need a God relationship. So what do you do after this? You know, I've been reading my Bible. I've been devoting myself to God. What do I do next? Am I, am I good now? Well, if we go back to that text. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is your first and greatest commandment. And so what Jesus says next, he says, and second is like this. Most translations say second is equally important. So second, equally important, love your neighbor. Love others. But there's a step before this, though. Everybody focuses on loving others, loving your neighbor, uh, spreading love and good vibes. But there's a step before this. There's a prerequisite before you can love others. The full verse says, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So... We have to love others as much as we love ourselves. So let me do the math here. We have to love others as much as we love ourselves. But how can we truly do that if we don't love ourselves? How can we love someone else in relationship when we can't love ourselves in singleness? How can you pour love out of an empty glass? You can't. In order to have a healthy relationship, you first got to love God. Then you've got to love yourself all before you're even capable of loving others. Because like I said, you can't pour out an empty glass. You need to fill your glass up with so much love towards pouring out onto other people. See, we struggle with this. We struggle with the self-love part almost more than the first part. It's because of the insecurities and the pressure. I mean, we live in a time where suicide is at an all-time high, depression is at an all-time high. People struggle with the body image. There's eating disorders, everything. 
And that causes so much problems in relationships. For example, like the reason that so many guys, the reason you struggle to give her a compliment that's meaningful to her is because all your life you struggle with doubt and insecurity and low self-esteem about you. And don't get me wrong. Like, I've struggled with that too. Everybody's struggled with insecurity at least one point in their life. I mean, look at me, dude. I got my, my eyebrows, they're two caterpillars about to hatch into butterflies. I, I got Dumbo ears, and like growing up, I was so skinny, I couldn't even wear skinny jeans because they were too baggy on me. <laughs> so we all have those certain things that make us different. But the problem comes when we let those rule us. When you become insecure and you don't like yourself. So... You end up trying to compensate and have someone else carry the burden and have them make you feel better. And guess what, though? They don't like themselves either. So then the two of you together is just a whole lot of insecurity, a whole lot of dislike, and then that together is just a whole lot of unhappiness. When we try to bring someone else into our life to compensate for us at the wrong time, you put all this weight and all this expectations and all this burden on somebody who's just another imperfect being, just as imperfect as you are. And then the arguments start. The, I don't feel beautiful enough. The, the you don't compliment me enough. The, the I'm not enough. This relationship isn't enough. What if I told you that all these seemingly relationship problems were actually singleness problems that needed to be solved by yourself? Because whoever it is, whoever you are and whoever you're trying to date, whoever you're trying to get with, they're never going to be enough to satisfy that hole in your heart that needs to be filled by you. That's a hole for self-love. And until you can love God and love yourself, and I mean truly love who you are, you won't have the capacity to love another person. So stop looking at the mirror, counting off the imperfections like, oh, there's that, there's that. There's so many things I don't like about myself. Quit saying to yourself, I'm not beautiful. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. Nobody will ever love me. I made, a, I made, a, I made an Instagram post about this. Like, I think it's funny how we can look at all the things. Like, we look at the sunset off the bluff. We look at the ocean at Dockweiler. We look at the forest, and we're like, wow, that's so beautiful. God made that. But when we look in the mirror, we don't think that same thing. And in fact, we kind of hate what we see, as if we weren't made by God as well, as if we're somehow below that. But the difference is that I looked in the Bible, I can't see a single time Jesus looked at a tree or a rock and said, that's made in my image, that's made in my likeness, that's wonderfully made in my image. No, he never said any of that. But he said that about you. You're made in the image of God. Genesis 126, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So this means you designed how you are in his image. Imperfections and all, right? Psalms 139.14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So those quirks and those marks and those weird little things that make you different were placed with wonderful intention. Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And a lot of us struggle to grasp this. This is one of the hardest things for us to get. And this leads to a lot of our problems. This is the main singleness problem I feel like a lot of us have. And then we wonder why our relationships don't last longer than a couple months. And it's because we haven't accepted this. We haven't gotten to date ourselves long enough to love who God made us to be. So how can somebody else date us and love us when we don't even love ourselves? We need to date ourselves to become comfortable with who we are. I'm going to invite the band up really quick as I close. 
And I want to finish this up by saying that there are seasons in our life, right? A lot of us, I'm guessing the majority of us are in the single, season of singleness right now, but some of us might be in the, single, the season of relationship. And just because you are doesn't mean you have to ignore every single thing in here. Because the Bible says that you are not together as one flesh until you end up being married. So theoretically, you might have a girlfriend, you might have a boyfriend, you're still one person. You can still work on yourself. If this is the right person for you, work on yourself. Don't just, I'm not telling you to jump ship right now. But if you're in that season of singleness, just know that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Ecclesiastes 3.1. And see, singleness is a season. I know I'm saying this a lot, but I really want to hammer this in, that this is your time for growth. The rest of this chapter goes on. After that, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die. And it goes on, it goes on. A time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter, a time to gather, a time to search, and a time to give up searching. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. Some of us are in a season where we need to give up searching for some people. And we need to throw certain people out. Some of us need to replace searching for somebody else and start searching for God. Because for some of us, relationships have almost become an idol. We stop, we, we replace striving for righteousness with striving for the approval of a girl in our class. And some of us need to throw away our old limiting beliefs that we're not good enough, we're not beautiful enough, we're, we're too big, we're too small, nobody can ever love us. We need to throw those away and keep on to God's word for us as his wonderfully made children. So I just want to urge you guys to seize this season of singleness and take advantage of your gift of singleness. And use this time to learn to not only love God, but love him unconditionally. And not only love yourself, but love your wonderfully, beautifully made self. Because your relationships with your future partners, your future spouse, can only be as strong as both your love for God and your love for yourself. Let's just bow our heads and pray. If you're in a season right now where maybe you haven't accepted God before, maybe you already have, and you feel like you need to recommit yourself to striving for a relationship with Him, and you just say, God, I know I've strayed off my path, and I just want another relationship with you. I want to know you, and I want to strive to know you. Just put your hands up. Your eyes will be closed. Nobody will see and just pray with me. God, I pray for these people here tonight. I pray for their love for you. I pray for their love for each other. I pray for their love for themselves. And I pray that whatever season in life that they're in right now, I pray that you use them in the way that you want. If they're single, if they're in a relationship, however that is, I pray that no matter what position they're in, that they strive to know you, they strive to know themselves, and they strive to just be filled with love. And I pray that you pour them out, and I, you pour out your love into them so, so much that they're overflowing with love for both themselves and both for you. I pray that you fill them with love and know that they will never be lonely because you got them, that you'll be in their corner. God, I pray for the rest of the night, I pray for the rest of the week, and I pray for every single soul in here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.